0: That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. I saw a shadow person one night while driving through the country. I was going past my aunts on my way home from a friend's house. As I'm driving down the hill, my headlights cast enough light off to the side for me to see her llamas. I could see the color of their fur and tell them apart from each other. This is important because if I could see details of these llamas to the side of my car without direct light on them, then I would have seen any texture on what I saw right in front of me. It was just solid black, no texture, nothing but a very tall black silhouette with extra long arms and the glowing reflection in the eyes from the headlights, the same as you'd see with an animal at night. It looked towards me, then walked into the woods that were on the other side of her road. I lived at a boarding school for dyslexic boys in northeast New York. I snuck out one night to meet another student who had offered to smoke me out. We made our way through the frozen night to underneath a bridge where I got the feeling that he did not invite me there to smoke. We sat in the dead silence of the night underneath that bridge and did not smoke. I recalled that he had expressly told me that he had a goal in life to kill somebody. When I think back on that moment, I get the feeling that is why he invited me out that night, but he did not go through with it. not my story by my brother's. We're both our avid hunters and backpackers, and between the two of us we've covered a lot of ground. I personally have never found, seen, or been in a strange situation other than the feeling of being watched. Anyways, my brother was backpacking in the Tetons or Glacier, I can't remember which, with his then-girlfriend. They were at a designated campsite one or two days down the trail they were hiking. They didn't see anybody when they arrived or later that night. They had turned in for the night and were both laying in tent talking. At this point, my brother had to get up and find the designated toilet for tubes, which was probably a little over and one-eighth of a mile down a trail from where they had set up camp. Using a headlamp, he made his way down the trail and found said toilet. Finished, he started to make his way back to his camp. He noticed strange tracks on the trail that he said were definitely not there on the way to the toilet. With a headlamp on your view is usually fixed on the ground when you're walking, so I doubt he would have missed them. The other tracks were also on top of his tracks that were heading to John. The strange part is that these tracks were human handprints. No other markings on the ground other than his boot prints and these handprints leading down the trail almost the entire way to his camp. Then he said they just stopped he and his girlfriend heard absolutely nothing needless to say neither of them slept much that night they never saw anybody at the campsite even after leaving in the morning this story is completely true and if anybody wants more details i'll be happy to ask him tomorrow sorry for making it so long I'm going to tell my story because I have never felt such sheer terror in my life. I'm tearing up just typing this out. So when I was in college, I used to go on runs at night in the Coral Gables area of Miami. One night just before my run, my friend invited me to go out with her and some other friends. This was around 9 p.m. or so. She wanted to come to my place to get ready beforehand, so I told her I'd leave the back door unlocked and she could just let herself in while I went on a quick run. Anyways, I started my run. If you're familiar with the Gables area, you know that a lot of the neighborhood areas have either no street lights, or they are sparsely spread out. Well, in my little housing community, there were also many streets that had extremely old trees that formed arches over entire streets, creating beautiful, colorful tunnels of green and bright flowers in the daytime. But at night, they'd block out any moonlight there could be, making the streets completely black. So I went down a street maybe half a mile away from my house that I always went down. It happened to be one with no streetlights or visible sky, so it was always pretty dark. It never particularly bothered me, though, because the lights from the houses always provided enough light for me to get by. Except for that night. I really can't explain it. As soon as I turned down the street, I felt something deeply wrong because not a single house was lit. I tried to move past the feeling and considered the possibility of a power outage, as it was Miami and we had just had a storm earlier that day. Because it was so dark, I took out my headphones in hopes my hearing would heighten in the absence of my vision. I couldn't hear a damn thing. Not a single noise. It was incredibly unnerving. Miami was always filled with chirping bugs and frogs and all kinds of creatures, but there was total silence. That bad feeling came back and I couldn't really brush it away this time. I started to slow down until my run turned into a walk and my walk into a complete stop. I stopped and tried to listen for any noise or see any hint of light, but it was just so damn dark. Just as I started to wonder if there was some kind of important evacuation, I missed trying to come up with some rational explanation for this. My phone lights up the blackness with a text from my friend saying she had made it to my house. After seeing how brightly my phone illuminated the street, I took it off my armband and moved it around in front of me to light my surroundings. him, I wish I wouldn't have. As I moved the phone from the right side of the street to the left, I noticed something in the upstairs window of the house to my left. At first I thought it was my paranoia getting the better of me, but immediately felt intense dread and complete terror. Standing in the second story window, no more than ten yards from me, was an extremely pale girl with long black hair standing in front of white lace curtains. I yelped gasped and did a double take only to confirm that I had seen what I did. She moved her hand to the window, and her face was completely expressionless, staring at me. I've never run so fast in my life. God typing this out, I still remember exactly what her pale face looked like, and it's giving me anxiety. I ran so fast. I was about a half mile from my house, but I swear it took me thirty seconds to get home. At which point, I burst open the front door, locked it behind me, ran to the back door, locked it behind me, ran to my room, locked it behind me. My friend had been sitting in my room doing her makeup, and she was so freaked out. I collapsed onto the floor and started crying, and I was sweating and shaking violently. I think at this point she was assuming I had just been assaulted or something, but I've just never felt fear like that before. I explained the situation as best I could in between gasps, and I could tell she thought I was being way overdramatic about it. But I seriously didn't care. I was way too terrified. She tried to rationalize it, saying there might have been a mannequin or something, or it was just a girl who woke up or something like that. But it all just felt Suo wrong. I can't explain it other than just a really unnatural feeling. I finally calmed down and just grabbed all my shit to go over to her place. I wanted to put miles between myself and that girl. The next day, after expressing my fear to my boyfriend, I convinced him to drive me to the house so I could see it in the daytime, either to confirm what I saw again or to convince myself that I went temporarily insane or something. As we drive up to the house, I notice a for sale sign in front that I hadn't noticed before because it was tucked behind some plants by the curb. The front of the house was completely overgrown with vines, the grass was dead, and the plant life was just out of control. It wouldn't have even been possible for a car to pull into the driveway. It made me even more confused and frightened. It was then that I noticed a foreclosure notice on the front door. The house had been foreclosed on months ago. I started crying and just wanted to get the hell away from there. I still don't understand what the F happened that night. But I don't even know if I'd want to know the best I could reason is that a family was squatting in the house but it just doesn't explain the darkness of the street and that feeling I had that feeling like I wasn't alone I often find myself pondering about something or someone I encountered during one of my drives through the desert on the road to Ojo Each year, my friends and I would make a trip to Puerto Penasco, Mexico to indulge in fishing and revel in the beauty of the Sea of Cortez. To avoid the scorching heat, we would depart from Colorado's San Luis Valley around 3 p.m., embarking on our journey to Ojo in the early hours of the morning, around 3 a.m. It was during one of these trips that an intriguing incident unfolded. On that particular night, I was behind the wheel of a rental car while my companions dozed off. Suddenly, I was passed by a naked man sprinting in the opposite lane of the road. He moved with remarkable speed, barefoot and seemingly determined. Startled, I hit the brakes and checked my rearview mirror, half expecting to offer assistance. To my surprise, the man swiftly disappeared into the desert, vanishing from sight. As I continued my drive, I kept a vigilant eye out for any signs of a stranded car or someone in need, but the road remained deserted. The incident left me unsettled, leaving me with a lingering sense of unease. The following year, in the same vicinity, at around the same time of night, I found myself dozing in the back seat of the car. Briefly roused from my slumber, I glanced out of the window and beheld a striking sight. In a ditch alongside the highway, I spotted an intricately carved, large stone dog, reminiscent of the stone carvings found in Chinese art. The sight triggered a thought in my mind, suggesting a connection to skinwalkers, though I couldn't be certain. These experiences continue to intrigue me, leaving me with an enduring sense of wonder and a desire to unravel the mysteries of the desert. I want to share a weird experience my husband and I had. It happened about a year and a half ago. San Bernardino County has a place we visit in the mountains. We gather medicine, or we gather some things for homeo purposes. On the road where we intend to do this, the layout of the land is significant, so let me explain it to you briefly. It's a wide open road and a dead end on one side. You can see in either direction from the hill. You take a dirt road to a T-shaped. We walk up this dirt path up the hill to where we need to collect the stuff. We were up there picking stuff and my husband and the dog were on one side and I was on the other side. So my bag becomes full. I proceed down the dirt road to where our van is parked on the main street. And just before I get there, mind you, you can see in either direction. A car appears out of nowhere, right behind our van, and it's a red car. There are no distinguishing logos or anything. I've never seen a car like it, but it's rather sporty looking. As a result, the car appears out of nowhere, spins around and circles around the van. I get nervous. I walk up the hill with my husband. He comes back down to me and this man gets out of the car and honks, 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 and he starts walking up the hill. I got a very odd feeling. It was really odd. My husband and I go back down the hill towards the van, and he disappears. Gone. Both of us were right there. The car, the man, everything gone. There was nothing. In front of our eyes. My husband was there, too. When I was a little kid, we lived in the country on top of a hill, about 15 miles of dirt road. It's about 7 miles going up. Once at the top, there is a valley with a nice clearing for about half a mile. One year around dusk, we heard airplanes, big ones and a lot of them. So, of course, we all go outside to see what's going on. It was literally raining men. Apparently, the army was using our hill for training. At some point, my dad put us on our roof so we could all get a really good view. It was so cool. Someone came and asked everyone on the hill to turn off our lights only about six houses, because it was causing the men to jump earlier or go off point. Many landed in trees, and you could the hurt ones yelling, and one guy landed just across our road in the power lines. My dad had to go stay with him until someone could turn the power off so they could cut him down. He was freaked out about anything touching him, understandable. For the next week, we would see these men roaming the hills, and every once in a while one would ask for water. Of course, being neighborly is country folk, or they always got a meal. I don't think they were supposed to make contact with us, but a few would. I was wondering if I should share this random spooky moment that happened around ten years ago with my now ex-girlfriend. I am also open to shared psychosis, if that's how that works, because we both heard, from the living room, the sound of a plastic bag being either rubbed with itself or with another bag in my room. It was very clear, crisp, not loud enough to be a jump scare, but enough for us to hear it. We thought it was a bag that could have been blowing around in my room from the AC or something, but it was spookier after investigating and finding nothing. We looked at each other like there's no way there's not a plastic bag in here. What made that sound? These days I don't care. I still sleep in this room without her, so am I the plastic bag. A little background. We were both into horror movies and spooky stories scenarios, and would even sometimes accidentally scare each other walking around the house. She was fun, but she wasn't a trickster. Even if there was a third party, say another trickster or even ghost causing the fuss, they'd still have to produce a plastic bag. When I was in high school, I was really into photography. Around this time, I was 14 years old and a freshman. A few years prior, our family had moved in a new subdivision outside Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our subdivision backed up against a large forested area, and the entire surrounding area was largely a mix of forests and farms. One of my hobbies was to dress up in Como and hang out back in the woods with my camera. Trying to take photos of wildlife deer, foxes, shit-even squirrels, there isn't exactly a lot of exotic wildlife in Wisconsin. I had been doing this for a while at this point, and had constructed, no joke, a sort of ghillie suit out of old Ami BDS and some deer blind material, cut and pinned around my body. I even had segments of blind material on my camera. One day I'm making my way back out of the woods to the road that dead ends into the woods from our subdivision. A small part of our subdivision was older, maybe 1980s era. This short road or spur came from this older part of the subdivision, penetrated maybe 100, 200 feet into the woods and ended. If you were entering the woods from the road, you would drop down a few feet into the woods after stepping off the asphalt. Coming out of the woods, I had just reached the bottom of this short incline to make my way up onto the street when I saw him an old man, standing there, alone, staring at the ground at the end of the dead end. I still don't know why I froze. The neighborhood was friendly, everyone said hi to everyone. I still can't imagine why I wouldn't continue up the road and say hello. Instead I froze and then almost automatically took a step backward, almost as if I had hoped to blend back into the woods. I stood there, watching the man. He was looking at the ground, thinking like he was contemplating something. Then out of nowhere he said, and I shit you not, I will never forget these words. Man. I spit on his grave. He hawks a loogie and spits on the ground. A few more moments passed, with him looking at the ground. I finally mustered up some courage and stepped forward, a few steps, pretending like I hadn't just been standing there but was working my way out of the woods. After three steps, my movement caught his eye. He seemed somewhat startled and slightly annoyed or aggressive as he responded to my hello with a, well, hello, you certainly like to sneak up there on people, don't you? His tone was assertive, like an old grandpa about to scold you. I apologized and we spoke for a minute or two about what I was doing in the woods. Then he wrapped up the conversation got in a car that I remember being something an old man would drive a Buick or something and drove off as he drove off I snapped a photo of his license plate I turned around walked back to five steps or so we had drifted from where I saw him standing and on the ground in the dirt was this weird symbol I can only describe it it was a triangle with a cross on top of it and the letter C inscribed inside the circle I took a photo of it too I still have no idea what any of it was about. This was 2001 before the internet was really as... robust. As it is today when it comes to finding random things like this. All I know there are processed and stored Kodak Tri-X 300 negatives of the photos I took of the symbol and his license plate stashed somewhere back at my parents' house in Wisconsin. If anyone has any ideas, I'll be head back for Christmas. Maybe I should dig them up. Navy sonar technician here. I've heard weird shit all over the world. One time, while doing a deployment to Asia, we were steaming west on our way to Singapore, York, and it was about 17 local time, right after Chow. Me and a buddy are shooting the shit in sonar control on watch, just me and him down there, and the underwater comm starts chirping. Dolphins, no big deal. They like to ride the bow and make a bunch of noise next to the sonar array. Trust me, you get used to that shit. We continue shooting the shit, talking about stuff back home, what food we miss, that kind of thing. Suddenly we hear this really low grumble, and we actually thought someone was around with the 1MC the ship's general announcing system because it sounded like someone was dragging a microphone along a jacket or something. Then we realized it was coming from the underwater comm system because sometimes a dolphin chirp would cut it out. Suddenly, the grumble turned into kind of a groan, like it changed inflection. Then we hear a loud whooshing sound, the groan got really loud, then nothing. Both the groan and more unnerving, the dolphins, were completely quiet. We checked our sensors right after, thinking maybe it was a contact, but you could tell the way the sound was traveling by the bearing changes that it was moving erratically. If we hadn't heard it, we would have written off the weird bearings as whales. We went active to try and see if maybe if was a sub and the bearing was something else, but we didn't see it again. That was definitely the weirdest one. As the witness slept in her apartment, she suddenly awoke, feeling a strange oppressive atmosphere around her. She opened her eyes and saw a humanoid figure bending down over her. The figure was short, about 130 centimeter, and looked intently at the witness. The figure had a grayish-green pale facial complexion. It had large, dark pupil-less eyes. Heavy skin folds covered the head and body of the creature. It had what appeared to be a thin beard and appeared to be elderly. A second humanoid now appeared next to the first one. This one was somewhat shorter and appeared younger. Both resembled aged gnomes. Both figures then floated back from the bed and vanished. At this point, what appeared to be a tennis-ball-sized sphere of light appeared in their place. The sphere disappeared into the next room, and then flew out an opened window. I work at sea. Last month, we came into dry dock to carry out refit and repairs. Dry dock is when a ship is brought into a lock, the gates closed, and all the water pumped out leaving the ship high and dry on the blocks, thus allowing repairs or inspections, etc., of the underside of the hull. Next to us was an old military frigate being broken down for scrap. She had arrived about two weeks prior to us. Once the frigate was on the blocks and dry, all of the crew left the old girl to her fate. A sad sight, but that's how these things go. Once all the sensitive stuff had been removed, The dock workers were free to go on. The dock foreman, John, went on board first with a camera to take pictures of work areas. He took a couple of hundred all in all. This was one of them. He later sent all of the pics to his boss, who upon seeing this one, called John straight away asking, who is the guy with the axe at the edge of the camera flash? John had no idea. He never saw anyone. The area where this picture was taken was in a cross alleyway, deep inside the ship. He was going around with a torch and a camera. When he'd go to take a picture, he would turn off the torch, leaving him in total darkness, snap the shot, turn the torch back on, and be on his way. Due to the fact that it was a military vessel, the police were called. A search was carried out, but no one was found. There was one way on and off the ship and that was by a gangway covered by CCTV. You couldn't jump over the side as it was a 25-meter drop onto concrete. No one was seen to leave the ship after John had taken a photo. I am a skeptic. Maybe it's a trick of the flash reflecting off something, but if you really zoom in you can just make out the F.S. face, ear, collar of his jacket, and the axe in a meaty fist. Now it could be John blowing smoke up my ass. But when he was telling the story, he seemed genuinely rattled. And the guy in the pic looks nothing any of the other workers we met at the dock. If someone who is handy with cleaning up pictures, I'd be really interested to see what you can pull out of it. And before anyone asks, I'm not going to name the ship or even where she is, as I'm not sure if I'm supposed to have a picture of the innards of a military vessel. This gave me serious goosebumps. Needless to say, I did not go on board for a look. Anyways, in late summer in 2019, I'd say maybe a couple miles away from Montello, I was walking down in the woods in Marquette County, Wisconsin. I decided to go in the night after dark because there would be no heat, and I didn't want to get heat stroke out there. I was taking a walk on a foot trail some people used and made, But it's not an actual trail on any maps anyways moments before the experience happened i checked my phone and it was 1 42 a.m couple minutes later i hear a hey bro can you help me from a direction i was facing i said with what they said come closer which made me choose to run back down the way i came and yes i got chased down and heard i need some help bro Funny enough, a deputy was driving by as I floored it out of there as the dude hit my car with a knife, scratched my truck a bit, and dented it. This happened in September. No, the deputy did not do anything, as I don't think they really cared. About 12 years ago, I was camping at Clear Creek Campground near Mount Hood, Oregon. It was in the middle of the night when Bigfoot entered our camp. We quickly shone our flashlights on the creature. Interestingly, it seemed to have a short fuse as it threw a tantrum, uprooting small trees and hurling them across the creek while emitting a low to high-pitched scream. We could barely catch a glimpse of it, even with the lights, as it stood about 100 yards away, according to my account. There were six witnesses, and we estimated its height at eight feet. The following day, we decided to track the creature for about a mile, the tracks eventually disappeared on a rocky shelf that it had climbed. The human-shaped footprints we found were a staggering 17 inches long. We also discovered tracks in a nearby clear cut at McSovan’s Gulch, which was full of thistles, making it an unlikely place for a barefoot hoaxer. Additionally, I shared that my oldest brother had his own encounter with Bigfoot as he saw it running across the Barlow Road near Pine Grove on the east slope of the Cascades. I'll never forget the day I stumbled upon a curious story hidden within the faded pages of a 1980 issue of the St. Helens Chronicle newspaper. The informant's whisper had led me to a report, a mysterious encounter one mile south of Gobble, Oregon, along Highway 30 near Rainier. According to the account, an elusive creature had left its mark in a dense Salmonbury patch, The bushes stripped bare of their succulent berries as i ventured into the heart of this story i couldn't help but imagine the creature's presence its dark head navigating through the thicket the trail didn't end there the creature had encountered a barbed wire fence it left behind a piece of evidence a tuft of 10 inch long light brown hair caught in the unforgiving grip of the wire the texture was unlike anything familiar it was coarse reminiscent of fish line My mind raced with questions as I envisioned the creature, a mysterious figure with a head crowned in darkness, casually strolling over the fence as if boundaries meant nothing. As I delved deeper into the accounts and collected fragments of the past, the enigma surrounding this elusive being grew. What creature could leave such a peculiar trail, stripping berries with an almost calculated precision and traversing obstacles with an otherworldly ease, The newspaper article might have faded with time, but the echoes of that encounter lingered, urging me to uncover the secrets hidden within the heart of the Oregon wilderness. This incident occurred in early 1980 near Orego, approximately five, seven miles from Lampa Mountain. At that time, I had a paper route and was delivering newspapers from my truck to the residents of that area. It has been so long ago that i don't remember the road name but it was around 3:30, and it was lightly raining when i came around a sharp corner in the road i saw the back of a large animal quickly crossing the roadway and climbing the side of the road cut the road cut was covered with grass about two feet high and was approximately 10 feet high probably at a 70 degree angle as large bears are common in this area due to the sheep population I initially assumed it was a reddish-brown colored bear I was driving by. The animal must have been at least 6 feet long and had very long hair along its spine. I remember very clearly the part in the hair along the spine, thanks to the wet weather. I passed within 15 feet of the animal as it climbed very quickly to the top of the road cut and out of sight. What always struck me as odd is that the animal's spine did not flex like that of a bear when it was moving and its rear legs were not directly under it, but more out to its sides as it climbed out of sight. It also had very large, broad shoulders. The animal climbed hand over hand to the top of the road cut in about three seconds. My name is Joe, and while my usual stomping grounds are the flatlands of Kansas, Today, I find myself leading a Navy SEAL team in the rugged hills of Italy. We've been tasked with neutralizing a terrorist cell operating within an ancient monastery, a place with secrets even the locals don't whisper about. The mission kicks off with precision. Our SEAL team, a tight-knit group, coordinates seamlessly with Italian soldiers. We storm the monastery, expecting resistance from the terrorists hidden within its walls. What we don't expect is the collusion between the monks and the terrorists. As we breach the ancient stone walls, chaos ensues. Gunfire echoes through the halls, blending with the screams of the monks we thought were innocent bystanders. It's a betrayal that strikes deep. Our SEAL team, resilient and unyielding, fights through the ambush. Amidst the firefight, I find myself separated from the main group. In the dimly lit corridors, I stumble upon a concealed entrance leading to a mysterious cellar beneath the monastery. Intrigued, I cautiously descend the narrow stairs. As I reach the bottom, a low growl reverberates through the cold stone walls. The air thickens with tension. Pulling out my flashlight, I follow the eerie sounds until the beam reveals the source. Before me stands a creature straight out of nightmares. It's a werewolf, or at least something that resembles the mythical beast. Its fur is a dark, matted mess, and its eyes gleam with an unnatural, feral intelligence. Long claws protrude from its massive paws, and its snout twitches as it catches my scent. Caught off guard, I fumble for my weapon. The creature, chained against the damp cellar walls, eyes me wearily. As the light hits its face, I see a twisted fusion of human and beast. Fangs glisten as it snarls and a guttural growl escapes its throat. Without warning, the creature's eyes lock onto mine and it unleashes a primal fury. With a strength that defies its grotesque appearance, it breaks free from the chains. The battle is fierce, bullets tearing through the confined space as I struggle to evade the creature's relentless assault. In the midst of the chaos, a single shot rings out and the creature recoils. Its wounded... But as I watch in disbelief, it slips away into the shadows, leaving me battered and bewildered. When my teammates find me, wounded and shaken, they deliver the grim news the terrorists have managed to escape. But as we regroup in the dimly lit cellar beneath the ancient monastery, we share a silent vow. This battle may be lost, but the war against terror and the unearthly horrors hidden within these ancient walls is far from over. We'll catch them another day. 20 years ago I was at a small army camp just outside of Uijeongbu, South Korea. The city is north of Seoul, but south enough of the DMZ that I figured we'd have some heads up if the north attacked. At least time enough to jump in the Humvee and do whatever the plan was. One night I was on the airfield and instead of the usual Uijeongbu skyline, I was used to seeing 15 miles away, all I saw was an orange glow as if the city was consumed by fire. I remember seeing pillars of smoke and flashes of light. I thought were explosions in and around the city. I honestly truly thought the North Koreans were invading. I thought Yujangbu was burning. I ran back into the office and told the shift supervisor that Yujangbu was being attacked, and I started going down the list of things we had to do and wondering if the Humvee had fuel and stuff like that that I was supposed to be in charge of. And just generally freaking out, but trying to stay focused on what I was supposed to be doing, just like we trained for. Well, the supervisor asked me to go outside with her and show her what I saw, but of course we go out and nothing. The night is dark and starry with clear skies, and the city lights are still there off in the distance. I thought I was going crazy. I was not on drugs and the shifts were overnight, but not long so it wasn't sleep deprivation. I was in the groove of working mids. The environment was tense, but I loved Korea and had a good time there on my time off. I was not obsessed with war or anything like that. I was not a mental case who had hallucinations. I know what I saw was not fog or haze obscuring the city lights. I thought I was seeing the raising of Yuujongbu. It looked like war. I really don't know what it was. I was stationed in Okinawa on the base camp Kintzer. One of the marines that was in my shop lived in room 101 or 102 in the barracks, and he would mention seeing a lady in black. It was a young Japanese woman dressed in a fancy dress that would just stare at him at night. I end up becoming roommates with him a few months later in that same room, and a few times when I slept facing the wall I could just feel something standing behind me, but whenever I looked I saw nothing. We ended up getting out of the room when a glass sitting on the medicine cabinet above the sink just mysteriously fell and shattered the it. Fast forward to the sink getting repaired and another Marine moves into that room. He also mentions seeing that lady and I would hear him screaming at night, Who are you? What do you want? Weird stuff. I am an air traffic controller in the Marines. I was working by myself in the control tower around 2 a.m. one night when a jet came in to land. I cleared him and he proceeded to the runway. But before his wheels touched down, he came over the frequencies sounding distraught, saying that there was a female standing in the middle of the runway and he was going around. I called airfield operations to have them go out and take a look. After 30 minutes of searching there wasn't anyone on the airfield anywhere. So much happened while working in that tower, such as randomly hearing the elevator start going, doors slamming, and even screams. Working the mids through the night was scary at times, although I am sure some of the stuff was other asshole marines playing jokes. But a pilot without a doubt say he saw women on the runway always kind of freaked me out. We were just a bunch of friends looking for a good time in Wyoming. The idea of camping by some random lake seemed like a solid plan. So we parked our RV and set up camp as the sun went down. Everything was cool until nightfall. That's when things got weird. We heard some splashing in the lake, but we figured it was just some critters doing their thing. No big deal, right? Later on, Mark decides to check out the noise with a flashlight. Next thing we know, he's screaming bloody murder. We all rush out and see this messed-up humanoid thing hunched over him. It had glowing eyes, fangs, the whole horror show. We booked it back to the RV, leaving Mark behind. The thing followed us for a bit, howling like a banshee. We hightailed it out of there, and that creature was just standing by the lake, watching us go. We never talked much about what happened. It's like we all saw a ghost or something. The lake had some messed-up secret, and we were damn lucky to make it out in one piece. But that creature, man, it's etched in our minds forever. We're just glad to be alive and far away from that Wyoming nightmare. When I was younger, around 14 or 15 years old, my family used to RV camp at a state park. Every night, my friend and I would walk through the woods We called this The Ritual. This particular night, we decided to walk further into the woods than usual. We had flashlights be we liked to try and navigate through the woods with them turned off. We were about half a mile from the nearest campsite when we heard soft whispering behind us. Obviously, we hit the flashlights and spun around, didn't see anything, so we kept walking and we hear it again. This time, we stop and look around a bit before we decided to head back to our campsite. Then we see what's whispering. It's a lady crawling on the ground whispering just random words. She was wearing dark clothes and was covered in dirt. When she sees that we notice her, she stands up and declares that she is looking for her campsite. We ended up walking her back to the campground and tried helping her find her group. Turns out she was just super drunk or high and got lost trying to find a bathroom. Her friends didn't even notice she was missing, and if we didn't go that far into the woods, she would have been lost all night. It was pretty creepy. I was RV camping in a valley by myself with no cell service. I stayed late on a trail and ran into a nice local dude as it was getting dark. He showed me a local camping spot close to the road and the river, but camouflaged. I had a fire, drank beer, and listened to my friend's comedy podcast. I was loud and visible. Because it was dark already, I decided to sleep in the back of my truck under my topper next to all of my gear as opposed to setting up my tent. The next morning I made a fire, cracked a beer, and started making breakfast. Then I noticed that there is a man at the edge of my camp. He comes closer, but never looks directly at me. This dude looks homeless, has a long ratty beard, and has at least a hundred plastic grocery bags tied all over his clothes. I comment about how nice the day is. No response from him. I offer him breakfast, nothing. He sort of paces around the perimeter of my camp. I offer him a beer, but he just turns around. The dude is just standing there back to me wandering around. I'm realizing that there isn't going to be any good happenings. I had my bear spray and buck knife super close. I give him an ultimatum. Mother F, you are either going to acknowledge me or leave immediately. He ignores me. I grab the bear mace and walk a few steps towards him. He soaked away and I threw my ass in my truck and left that place right quick. I wonder if he had watched me during the night and I thank my laziness for staying in my truck instead of a tent. went RV camping in Ginny Springs in Florida about 10 years ago, and sometime at night I heard that sound you hear in movies or TV of a huge tree falling. Didn't think anything of it. About 10 minutes later I started hearing lots of people talking outside my tent, so I got out and discovered the tree fell on someone's tent kind of close by and killed them. A helicopter had to come and airlift them out. While fishing, we heard something following us around the lake. As we came to a meadow, it continued to go up and around the top of the meadow while staying in the timber. As we started around the lake again, it came much closer to us. It was very heavy, and we could hear it breaking small jack pine as it walked around us. Will was standing on a windfall to my right. When he turned to look behind him, he said he could see something brown about 50 yards back into the timber so we picked up and got out of there. As we left, it followed us up to the top of the trail about a quarter of a mile, then it disappeared. As we fished around the lake, we saw no animal tracks and heard no birds until we got to the top of the trail. I was told to keep quiet about the story, but I can't, I need explanations. To begin, I make special forces, I was a British Army commando after serving as an artillery officer. A lot of my training consisted of forest or jungle survival and got me interested in nature, but Britain didn't have any truly wild forests, so I was left wanting more. A few years later, a transfer opportunity opened up to the U.S., so I took it, excited by the potential forests to trek through. Long story short, the program I was working on was suspended due to an intelligence cock-up. So I got six months of paid leave and met up with my friend who was a park ranger. I'm not giving his actual name or of the park for reasons so everyone or place names have been altered. Let's call him Jim. We were hanging out at his cabin with his colleague Nick. I was telling them stories of my time on tour in the Middle East when the radio in the cabin goes off. Jim comes out with a serious face and tells Nick to get mounted up for a search and rescue. He the asks if I want to come so I agree and got suited up in my combat uniform. I had nothing else as I thought I would only be a couple hours we arrive at a clearing with 40 other people. We were informed that a boy and girl were missing from their beds in a family cabin. This seemed odd to me and recently becoming a father I understood how important it was to find them. We left in a party of seven and armed to the teeth, as there were bears around, and we didn't have time to mess around. We searched for hours and nothing turned up. It was getting dark, and we began to head back to my eight-seater land rover, and I noticed something off in the dark. It was set of stairs. I asked Jim, what the hell are they doing out here? His response was, just keep going, not in a menacing tone, but in a strict tone that a parent would use in a fire drill or something but when he flicked off the safety of his rifle, I knew something was up. We got back to the Land Rover and started it back to the clearing during the ride. I was told to never tell anyone what I saw. We got back and I was told to stay by the truck, just in case another group found them as my truck was the same type that were used as military ambulances in the 50s and out of all the vehicles was the most suitable for the job. Jim and Nick got out, and the others just stayed in packing medical and food supplies on the truck. Fifty feet in front of me was the leader of the search party. I never paid any attention to his rank, or whatever it's called, and he and Jim were talking, and he turned, looked at me, and nodded, at which I confidently nodded back. Minutes later, Jim and Nick returned, at which I asked him what was the talk about Jim, said it was about how lucky we are to have special forces with us, and it should be a bit easier. But I knew it was about the stairs I saw in the woods. Hours passed in the truck waiting for the call to provide assistance, though we get it from another park ranger 20 miles north of the cabin, who said he found an abandoned shoe belonging to a kid. We rushed out there and met up with the ranger and searched the near woods. The trees were tall and thick with foliage, so our torches had to be powerful to pierce the leaves and branches of trees. Jim shouted us over saying there's something here. As we approached, we found that it was blood, thick, glossy blood. I would to say I've seen my share of death. I've had close friends blown up, and even a guy I trained with got captured and brutally killed to death. But the scene that lay before me will haunt me for life. I won't give detailed description because it's too gore for YouTube. But it's about kids, and they were 60 feet up in the tree. I've never returned and will never but the stairs and the latter one regarding kids were connected somehow and I need some closure, because the rangers still to this day refuse to talk about them. I hope the anonymity of the internet will change that. Please help me get the answers I need. My dad was hiking or stalking. They were in their military-grade ghillie suits with four friends near Long Beach, Washington. It was absolutely miserable weather, pouring down rain, when they found this creepy shack in the woods. It was situated by a gravel road, and on the road about ten red cars were lined up only red cars, and a huge bonfire was blazing outside the shack. They crept up closer to the shack, and they heard voices. The door then opened, and they hid in the brush, and out come about twenty naked people who start dancing in a circle around the fire like a witch party. One of the guys took a break and pissed on the bush my dad's friend was hiding in. They waited a few minutes and snuck out through the woods. They have never gone back. Not saying satanic cult, but all red cars, creepy shack, bonfire, dancing around said bonfire while naked during a storm. Did I mention the place had no address either? When i was a venture scout my crew and i went to new mexico for a backpacking trip on the eighth day in two other guys and myself had to go fetch creek water that was two miles away or so the map said we've already hiked around six miles that day so by the time we set out it was getting close to sundown as we made our way to the creek we came to a fork in the road and had to consult the map the oldest of us was on watch duty in case any feral animal came upon us and we needed to hightail it out there. Well, while me and my other friend were figuring out which road to take the watchman taps us on the shoulder and tells us to be quiet, we shut up and looked to where he is pointing. It was what I assumed to be a mountain lion maybe 300 feet from us and 50 feet above us on the cliff. He was looking right at us. For whatever reason, he never pounced or attacked us. He was just observing us. We carefully backed away from him, and once we thought we reached a safe distance, we just calmly hiked away from all the while our hearts were pounding. In the end, we got the water after being observed by what we thought was a mountain lion. Scared poop less. Several years ago, a friend and I were hiking along the Appalachian Trail in North Georgia and we stopped on a bald hilltop overlooking a scenic valley with pines and dogwoods along the bottom by a creek. It had been overcast all day with rumblings of thunder, but no rain. I was looking down at the bottom of the valley, and suddenly, all the trees in one spot started shaking violently back and forth. Then the cloud cover above it dropped like a ton of bricks. It was a moment I will never forget. It looked like the clouds in an area of 100 square meters just fell out of the sky and slammed into the treetops at the bottom of the valley. Branches, leaves, and debris exploded from the trees, resembling something from Lost or King Kong. I half expected a giant gorilla to come bounding out of the tree cover. Then, a small funnel cloud formed right above it. Keep in mind, we were about 200 meters away on the top of a bald hilltop. Luckily, The tornado petered out after only a few seconds, and we quickly descended from the top of that hill and down the other side into tree cover. I was so amped up on adrenaline that I had to drink about four or five rusty nails that night to go to sleep. A very awesome experience that I will never forget. We are small and insignificant compared to Mother Nature. We control nothing.